welcome to Forum Crashers, the internet advice show for folks who didn't. Uh, well, they did want it. They did want advice. Um, they did ask for advice. It's not from us. They certainly don't even know who we are. They don't even know about this show. Uh, so we're crashing their forums in the way that only we can. Uh, brought to you by Myths and Mystics. I am your host, Steve Messenger. I'm here with Gerald Waldrop. Hail and well met. Welcome to the show. I hope that you've had a chance to swing by and check out on the DMs Guild, Gerald's book, Advanced Options. It is uh, over there, available for digital download. It is still up for, I believe, for the uh, pay pay your pay what you want. Pay what you want. Thank you. I, I was trying to find the words. Yeah. So you pay, just pay what your heart desires, <laughs> and uh, so it's available over there to pick up. Uh, Missandmystics.com has all kinds of merch and stuff available over there, as well as the link to advanced options, and of course, uh, you can head over to my site, SteveMessenger.art, to uh, either buy some prints or commission your original character artwork friends it is when will this release this will release in april um i think this will be the week of april fools oh right i fucking hate that holiday (laughs) if you can even call it a holiday i was gonna say are you uh did you get some appropriate april fools questions going on here no i should have uh poor planning on my part but on on the flip (laughs) side just finding uh decent questions that aren't the same ones over and over it seems like everyone has a problematic player at their table and they want to know how to handle it tell them to fuck off yeah or (laughs) do an april fools joke uh and just piss them off there you go just make it not funny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? like, yeah we we did put uh what's uh epicac in your beer <laughs> whoops uh that's poisoning don't uh-huh. do that. oh. that's uh, that's probably very illegal don't do that um so uh we should you know what we should probably have put a disclaimer on every episode that we're not experts uh borderline idiots uh if anything <laughs> Uh, but we're going to dole out some advice for people, I was going to say for listeners, but um, I don't know that any of these people do listen. Um, <laughs> I don't listen. Anyways, uh, our first question today comes from you the never Dice. Listened, Steve. Ad- what? You never listened, Steve. Oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> uh, this comes from Dice Admiral. Uh, Dicey here says, and they, again, go into incredible detail. So if you want to look up their original uh, thread, go for it. But the, the the question is, what can an average person attempt to hold over a party of level five player characters? An average person? Yeah, some, some kind of leverage. Some leverage. kind of some kind of perhaps blackmail. Maybe it's yeah. uh, some little bit of spicy detail, or maybe maybe it's something else. It could be a secret, like information about something that they need. Um, Certainly, they could be crucial to the uh, plot points where knowledge of where a uh, MacGuffin resides. Um, it could be knowledge of something that the uh, that the party did. Maybe the party thought there were no consequences to doing some murder hoboing, and now um, here they are. But now you've got a a witness, and uh, he's he's average. I'm I'm assuming that means he's just like your level one or zero commoner. Uh, but he knows what they did, and he's at least smart enough. I mean, if he's going to be holding something over their heads and you want it to be effective, uh, he has some sort of contingency plan in the case of him being threatened. Mm. Um, otherwise, otherwise he doesn't have anything. <laughs> right. If if they're willing to uh, kill uh, to, to protect their secret or to get what they want, then, then he needs to have a contingency for uh, information to get out. Yeah, it would be very contextual if it was something uh, along the lines of blackmail. Like it would have right. to almost be like if you had, uh, and that's a challenge. Like if you've got a if you got a bunch of murder hobos, they're just be like, well, we just killed this guy, and now we don't have a witness anymore. Right. Uh, and then it, like all of you've done is give them more to kill. <laughs> you were just feeding right. the beast. But uh, he's he uh, could say I've I sent a letter to be opened. Mm. With instructions to be opened upon the event of my death, mm. it's been sent to various authorities. I like that. <laughs> it's like the dead man switch, right? Right. Like if I die, they're gonna open it up. They're just gonna know it's gonna be you assholes that did it. There's conclusive proof. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Um, I also like that idea of the uh, 
this this NPC knowing like the location of something. Yeah. Um, perhaps it's the the quest item that they're looking for or the key mm-hmm. to the next part of their quest, and uh, now he's got to leverage this over them to get something done that he wants. Right. Yeah, the typical asshole in BC. Oh, you want to know where to go next? First, you have to kill 10 rats in the basement. Yes, bring me 10 <laughs> elderberries um, for the this potion I'm making. Um, so what keeps you from... Because uh, inevitably, every party has that one person that's like, I'm going to max out my intimidation stat. Oh, uh, yeah. All right? It seems like every time I play, there's at least one person in the group that's either incredibly good at intimidating or incredibly good at persuading. Yeah. What is your fail-safe... Again, this is going to be a little bit meta here, but if you're going to go through the trouble of making this NPC that has this side quest that they have to do to go do something, um, what's the fail-safe to keep them from being charmed in a certain way? Uh, you know, there there's actually advice in the uh, DMG about that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it sets up a situation where uh, you're in a... In a scenario with a king, you're meeting with a king, um, and the king will not be intimidated. As a matter of fact, if you make attempts to intimidate the king, uh, he will get aggravated, and you're you're going to have consequences for even trying. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, that that dead man switch, as you put it, I like. Uh, that's probably a good way. Like you could you could make someone as afraid as you want, but if they've planned for it, yeah. uh, they're they're still going to fall back like, okay, I, I know you can kill me like, if, if you right. wanted to, but if you do, like, there's going to be consequences uh, as far as intimidating. Uh, persuasion, um, if if they have a goal, like, you can make persuasion difficult. As a matter of fact, if if they're holding something over over the heads of, of your party, um, it's probably something... They're probably wanting to get something very badly or desperately. Um, it's going to be very difficult to persuade someone who's gone to such trouble uh, to just give up what they have over them uh, in, in order to, like, you'd have to give, inspire them with some other motivation that's even greater. Um, like, whoever's trying to persuade, that is, would, would have to give them a, a better reason than they currently have to give up that information. Uh, so you c- sometimes it's just not possible. It, it's okay to set that parameter um, and, unless the characters come up with something very reasonable, um, very, very good and compelling. And in that, in that case, be prepared. <laughs> Either be prepared uh, or say, no, this guy has his definite reasons and, and they're not going to be... Uh, convinced otherwise that that they need to do that uh, hmm. but it, it is viable to say that you know the king can't be intimidated or or the guy has a contingency plan so he he knows he might die doing this so let's let's get a little bit more meta here I, right. and you you are definitely a better resource for the question i'm about to ask so all right uh what are some potentially problematic spells when you're talking about a level five pc interacting with this person that uh, could completely derail because as we've mentioned the wizards and, uh, of the world tend to be that yeah that utility belt of solutions um <laughs> and if 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 you're taking all this time as a dm to like set up this game for the night like you could potentially be spending hours coming up with this thing and have it derailed yeah. so yeah what what would be some potential watchouts for the uh for spells well, charm person first level spell. Um, they treat you as a as a friend. Now they could be too too hostile to be a friend, or uh, just because it's a friend doesn't mean they lack motivation. So be aware. Some people think charm person just will get information automatically out of someone, but right. that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Uh, more more dangerous is suggestion, uh, th- because that one is so potentially powerful. Like you can. It says, come up with a sentence, and they, they believe it. So a, a very smart wizard can can make a lot of different, <laughs> phrase things in a lot of different ways um, mm-hmm. to suggest that it's, a, that it's in the best interest in some way uh, for the NPC to give, to give up information. Um, so, yeah, if someone has a suggestion, be... 
be prepared as as best as possible um it, it i don't like to set up a situation where it's it becomes adversarial between right. the dm and the and the players um so you know be prepared for if if they can come up like i said with a good compelling reason um suggestion makes that a lot easier for the players to come up with that yeah. uh for for a way for them to be able to get around your point as a matter of fact that's again general good dm advice uh be prepared for players to do the unexpected <laughs> uh don't yep. don't rely on just one npc uh always being the only thing that will get the players to do what you want them to do yeah you could also um it, depending on how heartless the people are you're playing with this may not have any effect <laughs> but you could also have them meet in a setting that's public so that way there's uh, lots of witnesses in case things start to go afoul right yeah. or have somebody else nearby. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be security. It could be uh, their spouse. It could be their child. And it's like, are you really going to intimidate this guy in front of his kid? Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's some different things that you could do here uh, to eliminate that. Also, you could have them set up a dead drop, right? Be like, yeah. you know, hey, uh, I know what you need, but I need something from you. Uh, you'll find a letter at the old tree on whatever route. And uh, once you've completed it, uh, within one day, drop off receipt, and I will leave instructions for your payment. There you go. That way, there's there's minimal risk for. Uh... But then again, your 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 player characters are such bastards. They're gonna be like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna go to the dead drop. The rogue's gonna hide in the tall grass. When he approaches, you're going to follow him and see where he goes back to, and then we'll kill him where he sleeps and his family. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like, yeah. Well, there should always be consequences. <laughs> yeah, and if, if if I've learned anything, anything from being a dungeon master, is that your player characters would rather follow your NPCs back to where once they came than anything. Oh yeah. Like that's the number one thing that a, like if you're a fucking player out there, I know what you're gonna do. I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna want to follow them back. Yep. <laughs> so there's there's that. I've figured you out. That's. Uh, Rick, uh, was it Rick Sanchez from uh, Rick and Morty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've just meted your life there. I figured you out. <laughs> Take that. All right. You don't know me. <laughs> this comes from real Lord Hydra, not to be confused with the fake Lord Hydra. Uh-oh. Uh, it says that I'm I'm at a loss for words. How do I take over an organization? That's been... <laughs> Hell, Hydra. Um, apparently, Hydra, This for being the real Lord of them, this is the first time that they've experienced their first ever TPK. Oh. Their first ever total party kill and their first long running campaign. And it's such a weird feeling. Mm. Uh, and they said that that's kind of where they ended that session. It was like they were already kind of coming up on the end of things. Things were pushing kind of late. Mm. And as time went on, things got worse and worse and worse. Uh, <laughs> So have you, just first and foremost, have you ever experienced a TPK? No. Uh, yeah, it might be might sound weird, but uh, I am pretty good at judging. I've definitely killed characters, um, but I'm, I'm good at judging when I need to back off a little bit and adjusting things on the fly. If... I usually don't want to kill the entire party because that makes things a lot of, a lot more difficult. Um, but if you do that and you don't know where to go next from there, um, it, you know, it can be a TPKO where just because they went to you know zero hit points um, doesn't mean that they necessarily died. Or depending on the level of the adversaries, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be brought back they could be of great interest to someone and now some or all of them are find themselves in a dungeon um, or interrogation chambers of, of some sort uh, depending on the type of campaign that you're running um, hopefully they didn't all just rush into a dungeon where there were nothing but mindless monsters and get themselves eaten um, if that's the case congratulations <laughs> you have a new campaign coming up <laughs> 
this is going to take place in a different place uh, with a different yeah. Uh, no, that's some good points. If it's if they were in combat with with other uh, humanoids, yeah, intelligent that, yeah, um, there could be some different motivations to keep them alive there and uh, explore that. That's one of those things that's always kind of weirded me out with some of the combat with with D anD D is that like you can be full on lethal and at the last hit decide you know what knocking them out. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, there's some some flavor text that you have to have in that, but. With the bad guys, uh, as you're playing them, like you, you can make that determination, and the player characters don't have to know it. Like the next session, you just start off with like it's dark. You open your eyes, and you're in a stinky, nasty, you know, uh, dungeon with a mm. dragon. <laughs> yeah, suddenly it all makes sense. Um, but how do you feel about in general with like the the total party kill? Uh, I've heard some people use that as a plot element uh, to bring on like the next part of the story. Yeah, that I mean, it definitely could. That could have been. I mean, that could have been the case in Myths and Mystics in our our campaign. Like two total party kills in one episode. <laughs> it's impressive what I can do as a DM. Most impressive. It took me six seasons. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it it definitely could be. I I wouldn't design encounters just to be a total party kill. At least, at least not without some sort of um, shared expectation with players. I mean, it, you want D and D to be fun and and challenging. And if it happens, it, you know, it 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 happens. But if you're I mean, it seems like kind of a dick move to be like, I'm designing this. There's no way they're going to defeat it, and then kill all the players without any sort of prior <laughs> expectation that there's a possibility of, of death and, and a whole new campaign right. um, that keep people get invested in their, in their characters and it's a shared storytelling experience. So if, if you have a desire to bring on in the next, the next chapter um, there are certainly other things you can do than just kill the party um, to, to bring in other characters or another story element. Um, but if, if you plan on them dying, um, I, I think it's definitely worth a conversation with the players before before you get to that point and just decide that they're all going to die and there's nothing they can do about it. What if it was on a whim you just decided they should all and, and, no, I'm, okay. um, <laughs> and you're yeah. a dick. <laughs> and you're dead. Um, I guess a good question here would be, has anyone, has any character in this campaign fully died like not just a knockout not just you know they were revived by magical means like gone from the campaign new character brought in if yeah. that hasn't happened yet and this says that it was a long running campaign that this this person's running um and this is the first encounter that you've had where not only are people dying like for good for good but all of them do yeah. um i equate that to that time in algebra class where like everyone failed the test yeah. That's not the student's fault. Right. That's the teacher's <laughs> fault. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, to your point, Gerald, you know, being able to scale things back or or what have you, that's that's something that you got to kind of read that as the combat goes on. Um, but also, if you've ever played that video game where you've been in an encounter that you're not meant to win. Oh, yeah. It's a bit disappointing when you're like, oh, so we were supposed to die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think to your point, having the the total party knockout, uh, I think that's at least something that you can use to save the campaign at this point. Um, but if you're the DM who's sitting down, like, I want to put all my characters in prison to do a prison break. I know I'll create an encounter that they can't escape, knock them all out, and then put them in prison. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of lazy writing. Yeah, usually like save that. Save it for if if something happens. Right. Yeah, that that any Deus ex machina uh is is going to be it, it, like I said lazy writing. Um I I understand that DMs don't always have all the time and can kind of run dry on ideas, but that's usually one of the ideas that's better left in the back pocket to pull out in case of the TPK or uh, they get themselves in a, in a bad situation and, yeah. and there's nowhere else to turn. So I actually wrote um, 
very early on with myths, a uh, a dungeon not well we'll say a dungeon setting, but a jail setting in case y'all did something so stupid y'all got arrested. <laughs> and thankfully, never really had to use it. But uh, I could tell we were kind of pivoting from uh, b- playing in Orin to uh, we're going to be expanding outside of Orin, and plus, like, shit was going to hit the fan. Um, so I actually used what I wrote for that jail setting uh, for um, you guys are breaking into the barracks to confront, I can't remember the guy's name, um, but you were breaking in through the jail cell to get up into the barracks. Ah, uh, yes. So I had already yeah. written all that stuff. Right, and right. I actually like the way that you broke into it was how you could have gotten out of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was all there, ready to go. The the, the jail break in. Yeah. yeah. So cool. All right. Uh, cool. We got one from Tokstra four twenty. Tokstra. Tokstra. Uh, so similar to last week's episode uh, where we were talking about the land dying, kind of a similar idea. Uh, Tokstra wants to know about some ideas for poisoning a village. Um, their question dives into like, how would the party start noticing subtle signs that everyone's being poisoned? I would say, you know, pale skin, yeah. uh, sunken eyes. Um, people don't know why, why someone's sick, yeah. retching, throwing up. People are suddenly dying. Yeah. Um, was this like the po- the water supply has been poisoned? That that was like. yeah, that was the uh that was their scenario. But I think it's more okay. interesting to explore the idea of how to poison a village. Not uh. that we're giving any ideas, so stop <laughs> it. Just stop it. Um but if if a uh there was a group of uh cultists was the scenario that poisoned the well. Yeah. Uh as you know, uh so many did back in the day. Um how would a nefarious group Go about poisoning a village. Uh, other than poisoning the well, let's see. <laughs> let's let's think outside the box because that's such a. I mean, it's a historical <laughs> yeah uh, way of doing things. But uh, what is a sort of an outside the box way of poisoning? Well, disease definitely works well. There's a necromancy spell that specifically inflicts uh, a disease. So a few crucial points or hubs like uh, everyone has to go get food in a in certain villages or everyone gets supplies from a certain place so you start with a disease on on one of these central characters um and that that is i've gotten blank yeah. <laughs> that's one way to do it yeah well so there's two things that i thought of right off the, the rip and one is part of poisoning the well but um the original diablo uh there's a uh there's a quest where the the water is poisoned, and it turns out that there's a waterway that uh, some demonic activity had picked up. And once you cleanse uh, that area, you cleanse the waterway. Uh, so that's one way to do that thing. But I, I just get this yeah. picture in my head for some reason of like that old school Disney sort of look. I don't know if you did you ever see like the uh, what was it uh, Christmas Carol where they do like oh. the Ebenezer Scrooge with the they had the giant was a ghost of Christmas past. Oh yeah. And I just remember in that scene, I don't know why this comes to mind, but it was like this huge decadent feast that he had set up with these giant grapes and all these giant like sticky buns and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I, I almost picture it as like a uh, uh, a double-sided, I don't know. I don't know what the expression is I'm looking for here. Um, but like all this decadence of like all these amazing foods and pastries and all this for some reason. But it's all made with something that's been poisoned. Oh yeah. That's, that's another good idea. Like, <laughs> of course we, there was a central feeding pot in myths and mystics that, uh, we ended up over poisoning <laughs> in a military <laughs> camp. Um, Oops. but yeah, meal. Oh yeah. A group. Uh, so it's a group of cultists that present themselves to be a, uh, a group of, um, Philanthropists. <laughs> real, real quick, I want to go back to that episode real fast because that was one of the few times in Miss where I really wanted to edit an episode. Oh, really? To play back to you guys because there's probably about a dozen times where you in particular, like Zaren, yeah. was like, "It'll be fine. I know what I'm doing." And what could go wrong? It's just this or that or whatever. And it's like, and then at the end, it's like, "How did we mess this up?" I wanted to play it back for you guys, but. Uh, 
But yeah, so you could have yeah some cultists that uh, you know they uh, they're they're sick of the uh, the moral. Uh, decadency of living in this just lavish lifestyle, and they want to, yeah. you know, stick it to the the man, I guess. Right. So they come up with this great feast that they have poison. Also, since you mentioned Diablo, uh, certainly they could unhollow. Um, that's it's kind of a higher level spell, <clears throat> but I think one of the effects that they can include is where it's like life draining or uh, or disease is part of that that uh, magical corruption. Yeah. They're able to maybe cast that spell underneath underneath a temple or underneath like a major part of the, the city and everyone starts getting sick as they pass through. Yeah. What about the movie The Village? You remember that shit? Oh yeah. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yeah, Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> um that's where a lot of people got off the M. Night Shyamalan uh, train. Because like uh-huh. uh Six Sense like blew everybody's mind. Except for me, because it got yeah. spoiled. Oh, of course. <laughs> Did you know Bruce Willis was dead the whole time? It yeah. was pretty much like that. I was like, thanks. I heard it was good. Now yeah. I'm not going to watch it ever. Yeah. Even if they didn't say the sixth sense, if someone just once in your life said Bruce, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, oh, every yeah. movie you watch, you're going to be like, is he a ghost? <laughs> and the one time that you watch the sixth sense. Oh, by the way, for down. anyone who hasn't seen it yet, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert that came out 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> what 20? It is around there. Probably. Um, so yeah. there was that. Then there was Unbreakable, which I knew nothing about. Right. I had no clue what that movie was about when I saw it. And my mind was blown just because, like, oh, yeah. you're learning as you go what's happening, which I think I is agree. the best way to watch his movies. I, I agree. Uh, but then The Village came out, and there, um, again, if you care about spoilers, you're listening to the wrong show at this point. Um, <laughs> it's the, a spoiler alert. The, the monster in that movie uh, turns out to be a ruse, uh, but I thought it would have been a hell of a twist if it, that one was a ruse, but the real monster did exist out in the wild, which is oh, yeah. why they didn't kind of kind of expecting that yeah but the real monster was your friend the whole time as it turns out (laughs) because that's who they she had to face out there in the the woods but what (laughs) if the 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 thing that's poisoning the village is this insidious monster that sneaks in and when he poisons uh the folks inside he's slowly poisoning everyone so one day he can reap his harvest ah that's very good the oni which was was in previous editions the ogre mage um the oni is great for that they shape shift so they mm-hmm. can be very they blend in with the crowd very very well and yeah their ultimate goal is to eat people at, <laughs> at night maybe that softens them up he's softening up the village or uh, you know uh, enhancing the flavor <laughs> yes marinating them <laughs> in a nice cajun sauce yes <laughs> i like it i like it uh let's see i'll tell you what We've got more questions for you, but we're going to get to those after the break. Hello, and welcome to the break. If you enjoy adventuring with us, please help spread the word. The best way to help keep this free content coming is to like and subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. This helps us out tremendously, and it only takes a few clicks to do. When you have a minute, swing by mistandmystics.com and pick up some swag to help us continue to keep the program running. Send your questions to at mistandmystics on Twitter or Instagram or mistandmystics at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you back on the show. Hello, and welcome back from the break. Hopefully you got yourself a nice, delicious snack. Anything good in your snack pantry these days? Uh, Oreos. Or, I'll tell you what. Not a sponsor. Uh, they are fantastic. They are. Yeah, I bet you can't have just one. I can't really. I can't. Nah. I cannot. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the old school double stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Those are phenomenal, but they did have a limited release a couple years ago of a, I don't know if it's Cinnabon or something. Oh, yeah. It was a cinnamon Oreo with like vanilla. Oh, nice. Uh, cookie cracker like this. things. I'm also a big fan of the lemon, which are default, like double double stuff, amount of lemon uh, icing in there. Yeah, they're, they're the kind of Oreo that you have that moral dilemma when you're standing there at the store. You're like, double stuff has never failed me. Or you you do like my wife and 
get them when they're on sale so you get like two uh, or three packages at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way to do it. Uh, Add to the waistline. Yeah, why not, right? Why not? Why not? At least you're adding something to this earth <laughs> with your, your own mess. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, friends, we are coming back with a few more questions here. Uh, we've got a struggling DM here. Um, this person has a bit of anxiety. Their name, well, and their name might be a little bit telling, uh, but I don't think it's the case. We can help them out. Their name is Poser765. They say that uh, <laughs> they're fairly new to DMing. They've been doing it for a while now, uh, but they feel like they have no problem with uh, going through combat, describing that kind of stuff, but they said as soon as they get into a situation uh, where the party has to interact with NPCs, they instantly slip into anxiety mode and mm. it's just they can't think straight they can't keep the story straight and they're huh. kind of all over the place i i remember having new dm anxiety which is normal some amount of anxiety is is definitely normal um occasionally i would take a break um but when when i didn't know where things were going um wasn't didn't find myself fully prepared to do something. I'd be like, I have to go to the bathroom, yep. <laughs> and I I'd, yep. I'd sit there for a minute, and be like, okay, let uh, let my mind just start going. All right, this is where they are. This is where I kind of envisioned things to go, um, and and come up with things. Um, take a smoke break. Take a Take a potty break. Do what you um, got to do, right? Um, any sort of break to, to be able to prepare yourself. Now, if you find that you are prepared, I mean, a break might just work to to get your thoughts sorted out because you came prepared, but the anxiety just kind of helped, like, jumbles things up. Um, yeah. You know, I I think any, like, the players aren't aren't running the game. They I, they should be understanding if you need a little bit of time. To, to set things right. Yeah, they're probably uh, not paying you for this service. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, do do take time that you need to, to sort things out. Um, if if you are of age, uh, it can it can help. I it it certainly helped me to have a drink. <laughs> I was gonna yeah, a drink of water. A drink. <laughs> We're gonna say water, not alcohol. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Do, I definitely don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Drink responsibly. Uh, but I, but I would, cause it, uh, it really just kind of like took, took a little bit of an edge off of, uh, anxiety. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if we're supposed to endorse it. Sort of here's thing. what I'll say is if you have a drinking problem, seek help. Yes. If you're going to drink, drink responsibly. Don't yes. drive drunk. There you go. All right. Um, uh, you make a good point. I didn't think about this until you, you made the comment about taking a break. Like I think, for a lot of folks that are getting into D&D, their first exposure is probably either a podcast or like Critical yeah. Role or something yeah. like that. And th for a lot of those folks, like there's a lot of professionals out there that get paid to do this. Like yeah. they will sit down, they will practice this stuff. You know, you talk about like Matt Mercer. Yeah, they're professional vo voice actors and yeah. they're literally, literally getting paid to do this. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they've got all week to work on their craft and have it all ready to go. So it sounds like you've got the the combat stuff under your belt. Um, you need to get the RP stuff under your belt. So how did you prepare to be ready for the combat? Right? There's yeah. probably a lot that went into that, right? Yeah, you're preparing the uh, stats. You're, uh, you're practicing combat. You, pro you probably understand the mechanics. Um, the which intimidates some people, but I have to say there's there's a lot more to characters when it comes to story and role play than than there's the mechanics. The, me the mechanics to me are pretty pretty simple. Once you understand them, it's that's it. Like that's that's done. All you have to do is a little a short time preparing, and and if you've done enough, uh, you you can even do that stuff on the fly. Um, but yeah, more more recently, or like I, the back half of my up the last decade of, of my two decades of running um I've, I've spent more time preparing um motivations for npcs yes. i've and i've definitely found that i feel much more prepared for any game um having an understanding of why the npcs in the game are doing what they're doing uh, that way you're not just focused on on the plot points 
whatever the characters say or or want uh you have like your approach with with this npc you know what they want um so like the the minor details those can be kind of filled in or decided on the fly pretty easy uh, but the the major why this person is here and doing what they're doing uh, if you have that for the npcs you're gonna feel probably a lot more prepared and experience a lot less anxiety yeah so i absolutely that was gonna be my next point was you know if all you have is the name of the blacksmith and that they're a blacksmith yeah it's probably gonna be a pretty rigid interaction if you're not used to improvising yes uh, second yeah. bit would be watching youtube videos on how to improv and not necessarily yeah. like whose line is it anyways right. right you don't need to be the next colin quinn or or mockery or whatever his name is colin quinn's an actor isn't he, uh, he he's a comedian i don't know yeah. if he did improv but call drew, him mockery drew carey yeah. <laughs> drew Car- don't be drew carey if you're not drew carey right <laughs> be you number one but number two is learn from some improv the number one rule in improv is yes and right and uh which means you're going to add on whatever's happening uh so if you if the adventurers say that they're going to wander into the tavern great uh, you are now the the bartender, or you're the the server, and you're gonna play right into. Hey, welcome to such and such place. Can I get you a table? Like you don't have to be like, "Hello, you look like adventurers. Do you have any questions for me? Like plot driven questions?" <laughs> um, you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Um, I had some one last like really relevant point I was gonna make. Um, Re- relevant to uh, improv in general. Uh, it was it was the uh, oh uh, the anxiety piece of things. Aye. Um, it's it's interesting. I, I read a a book a long time ago about uh, how different people get. Uh, we'll say uh, uh, the number one fear for a lot of folks is like public speaking. Yeah. But there's a variety of different kinds of public speaking. So you can sure. have people that have no problem getting up on stage and playing a song, singing, acting, doing ridiculous stuff that can't sit down and do an interview on a TV show because they just clam up. They don't know what to do. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Same thing like, uh, for instance, my dad um, has no problem getting in front of people. He has no problem with one-on-one conversations. But every time that he would order food at a drive through was hysterical. <laughs> It, I mean, it was, <laughs> it, but it's the truth. Like uh, in, in the corporate world, I have folks that have no problems uh, running an appointment where they're meeting with someone one-to-one that's a complete stranger, but you put them on the phone and they clam up. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's just uh, because our mind, you know, there's some sort of embedded fear there. So uh, yeah. number one is you don't have to be afraid. You're going to be though. The only yeah. way that you can really get through it is to keep practicing it. And the one thing I'm going to encourage you to do is to have an open and honest conversation with your player characters, yes. whoever's at your table, um, because uh, you're playing for fun. But if this is something that you're having a hard time getting past. Uh, if you tell the people at your table, like, hey, guys, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I get anxiety whenever we do this. They will help you and root for you. Yes, they will. And that encouragement is super helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When you know that they're behind you and that it's okay to be feeling what you're feeling, um, it's certainly to add add to that. Um, it Know that it's okay to, to feel what you're feeling. It, that, it, that's what kind of why I brought up. I experienced that as a, as a newer DM it, for years probably. Um, and so along with the other advice of, about the preparedness, um, I, I had to learn to say it's, it's okay to, to feel this because once you accept it, then you can start to move past it. Um, but certainly encouragement from players, uh, from the people that you're there with is going to go a, a long way to helping you get past it. Yeah. Can I share you, with you my, uh, my public speaking, uh, fear? Oh yeah. What's yours? Uh, um, so I, I've got two, really, but they're kind of in the same vein. Like, uh, I don't have too much of a problem, like, calling someone on the phone and talking to them or going yeah. and meeting with somebody. Like, I, I have done all kinds of ridiculous shit on stage. Um, the, uh, the one that gets me is when I have to ask a question or make a statement as, like, a student or a participant somewhere. Like... Huh. If I'm sitting in a meeting and I either feel like I have a relevant point that I should say or I have a question, like 
I can feel the pulse in my neck. I can feel my hands get sweaty. Huh. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, but I know that about me, and it's like I have to calm mm. myself down, remind myself to breathe, and and that huh. kind of thing. So, so don't be overwhelmed. Like, when you watch podcast or you watch YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever, like, you are typically seeing someone in their element. But everybody yeah. has something yeah. that will take them aback. Yeah, absolutely. We're all we're all human. We all except for are me. prone to that part robot. <laughs> part robot, and only only the good parts are robot. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, this one uh, without going into incredible detail because they go on to explain like most of their campaign. Um, but Ed the Wiseman says that they need help with an idea for an island encounter. Uh, mm. There's a group of uh, islands that uh, the party has come across, and uh, the the one has some sort of uh, some sort of alchemy machine that turns one thing into another. Uh, there's another one that has like where people live. Um, what they find is is that uh, the inhabitants of this island are using slave labor for everything. Oh, and uh, they've obviously the party has decided like, hey, we gotta. In we got we to right some wrongs here. We need no. to fix some things. But they said as they're kind of conquesting across the islands, uh, one of the islands, the theme, the uh, sort of the, it's going to be more of a uh, horror kind of element, all is right. that all of the inhabitants, uh, including the slaves, are all going to be dead. Uh, and there mm. needs to be some sort of boss battle okay. on this uh, this island. So what is... What is this island encounter? What does it look like? You want a boss battle on an island or a group of islands that has had slavers, uh, but this particular one, everyone is everyone's dead. I, I think it would be interesting. Is the reason that they're all dead? Uh, maybe, maybe because there's another group that. <laughs> that also wanted to see them dead. Maybe they're not anti-slavers, so I, th- I think it'd be interesting. Although, it would it would be a really interesting lack of encounter <laughs> if uh, if they ended up seeing that their differences weren't so different after all. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of this adventure, our true true reward is each, is each other. Is the power yes. of friendship. Yes, of course, as always. Everybody groans, uh, everybody rolls their eyes, and everyone goes home <laughs> looking for a new DM. <laughs> sort of... Don't don't uh, make make the uh, boss battle the the uh, ideal friendship. <laughs> yeah, um, but maybe maybe it starts out as a uh, you think that you're uh, allied with them, and then you realize that's all you have in common because the other thing about them is that they're actually ghost demons from another dimension, or they uh, or necromancers like they they wanted all of them dead mm. uh, for. For their own gain, uh, that's why the slaves ended up dead as mm. well. Uh, mm. Or yeah, they don't have an explanation for why the why the slaves are also dead, and that's that's what they're <laughs> trying to get around or trying to hide. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I I love using wizards as a as a uh, NPC because they're so capable of of countering or coming up with an answer for anything the the party can do uh their their versatility alone makes them very very good uh combatants yeah so maybe so maybe on this island uh as they were expanding across and they were taking over more and more maybe they thought they found some valuable resources there and it turns out that it's a the island is the home of a very rare spell component and mm. as they were discovering it and mining it, uh, there was a wizard that happened to detect that the area was in trouble, and they came out and indiscriminately just wiped out all of them. Right. They didn't know the difference between who was uh, really at uh, at the helm there and who was being forced to do the labor. They just came in and phew, wiped them all out. That's I interesting. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I think they were looking more for like, uh, you know, uh, big wolf. I think is what they were looking for. They like killed they killed everybody. There's like a <laughs> lot of wolves. Um, but uh, yeah, that might do it then. Um, all right, uh, last question. This is our wild card question for the day. Again, we're cutting things short a little bit today. We're in a time crunch. 
Uh, but time crunch for a good reason. We won't expound upon. It's up for you to conjecture. <laughs> uh, we have one last question here from Spuffy Book Time Lord. Time Lord. Time Lord. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty. I forgot I picked this one. <laughs> <laughs> are my friends stupid or are my jokes that non-understandable? LOL. <laughs> um, it could be both. Uh, yeah, it currently it could be both. Little column A, little column B. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, what, what? Any examples of the jokes that are being told? No, that was pretty yeah. much it. Uh, um, I, I it made me instantly think. So, like back in grade school, I had this. Uh, we had this old typewriter, and I just fell in love with the idea of writing scripts. Yeah. So I'd sit down and start writing scripts, and I'm pretty sure none of them make sense. <laughs> I thought they were hilarious. <laughs> I was literally sitting there cracking myself up, um, writing these damn things, and I remember sharing them with people, and they were all impressed, like, wow, Steve wrote a 30-page play. And they start reading it, like, our child's no. insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that uh, the reminds me, humor um, is said to be, and I forget the... Who the quote came from, but it is the uh, ironic or unexpected juxtaposition between expectation and reality. Mm. Uh, so the absurd is typically unexpected, and if it's ironic, bonus. But uh, that causes our sense of humor. It causes laughter, mm. where one thing is expected, and that you get something else completely. So right. if if your jokes aren't capitalizing on that. Um, if you're telling jokes like like my toddlers did <laughs> where it just doesn't make sense there's no there's no ironic exposition between <laughs> between what you were setting up um, uh, then yeah you could just be failing at uh, at jokes you, <laughs> you're just failing at jokes you could you could yeah. have a much drier sense of humor than uh, <laughs> than everyone else. Nah. Uh, I, I've certainly fallen victim to that. Where <laughs> you crack a joke and no one gets that you were joking, right? And they're like, yeah. "Oh, he was serious about that." So, <laughs> God, I had that happen at a corporate meeting once. <laughs> and when I say once, it happened multiple times the same that's, day, and I'm like, that's... "I'm literally going to stop talking." <laughs> like, you, again, uh, just very, very awkward for me. Um, the other thing could be. I, I found myself guilty of this a long time ago, and I'm still guilty of it today, is that sometimes, you know, uh, you can be so quick on your own train of thought about something that by the time that you get to the punchline, no one else was there for the journey. Uh, so you go to make your joke, and everyone's like, what the hell is Steve talking about? <laughs> I'm guilty of that because uh, I, like, I think very quickly with that stuff, and then I make the comment, and people are like, huh? <laughs> the hell did that come from? So that could be some of the reasons why uh, your your jokes are non-understandable, as you've phrased it. Um, could be that your friends are stupid. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, let's talk about stupid friends. <laughs> I had a stupid friend once. Once. Just the one time? Is it current? <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I have much more to say about stupid friends. There are definitely some people out there that just don't get humor um, the way that you sure. do. Yeah, but uh, it's important to understand. Like we we tend to surround ourselves with uh, people, uh, or tend to like being around people that are uh, not perfectly equal, right. but uh, around a similar level of of intellect. Right. Um. So do some do some self reflection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Outside of that, man, like. I don't know. Maybe the next time that you crack a joke and it and it lands, have that moment of think like, why was that funny? Why did they laugh? Why did they enjoy that? Versus the next time you open your mouth and everyone's like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> think about why did that not land? I also I can't help but notice you ended your uh, question here with LOL. Um, <laughs> the worst possible way to end a joke is with you being the only one laughing at it, <laughs> or yeah, or <laughs> or. Uh, Saying, <laughs> I, I know some people are a person or two that end their stories that they believe in funny by saying, and it was funny. It's that, so funny. It like was it, so funny. You had to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure to, it was a fucking riot. If you have to end your story or joke with telling people that it is funny, yeah. um, 
that it's missed the point <laughs> yeah so um watch some more watch some more co- comedians watch some different stuff you know learn learn sort of their timing their pacing uh pay attention to that kind of stuff but also realize that you know uh maybe jokes all the time isn't the right thing that that's true yeah it's it's there's yeah. a, there are some strategies that work like where where more is better and you you try to cast a wide net and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, but I mean if that's if that's been your strategy and some of them are sticking, yeah, like Steve said, <laughs> go ahead and examine what uh, what works and why it works and why why the things that don't work don't work. Yeah. Also, uh, probably if if the jokes thing is what you're trying to make your thing, maybe. Maybe not make that your focus, right? Yeah. Like uh, maybe you have other things about you that are more prevalent uh, that, that can get you professional work down the road. Uh, maybe make that your focus <laughs> and make jokes the second thing. Yeah, if that's hobby. All your, yeah it's it, your side hobby. <laughs> yeah, if, if all you're thinking about is how can I crack a joke next, then you're forcing it. Yeah. And no one likes things being forced upon them. That's right. where we're gonna end. consensually end our episode yes, today. <laughs> yes, consensually ending our episode, friends. We appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we'll have some updates here for you soon as to when we're gonna get back on track with myths. The campaign. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff planned for that uh, that I'm currently making up uh, as I speak. So, friends, <laughs> thanks again for tuning in, downloading. Uh, This was another episode of Forum Crashers brought to you by Myths and Mystics.